I um, love to read books. I love to read all sorts of books. I often like to read books about people who have accomplished great things that I will probably never, well, not probably, I know I will not ever accomplish. This past, past couple of years, I read um, the story of those who uh, climbed Mount Everest. Um, I read about Winston Churchill during the Second World War. Um, I'm, I'm presently reading a book on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, that Lutheran pastor in Germany who uh, ended up losing his life in a concentration camp. So I love to read books. I like to read uh, fun books as well. In fact, I even love to read the comics. Um, I've come to the conclusion, though, after reading the comments every day in the newspaper, and especially on Sunday because they're in color, that they're not for kids anymore. Um, if I was a kid, I wouldn't get it, first of all. And some of the things they're talking about really isn't for kids, but um, there they are. So I read them and look at them and sometimes giggle. But there are lots of books that have been written through the ages. Um, some of those books written probably on Talbot, tablets of stone, some on parchment, uh, some on uh, pieces of paper. Um, but there is one book that stands out among all other books, and that is this book, the Bible, our scriptures. We spend time at Awana um, studying God's word, hiding it in our hearts so that we would not sin against God. Um, just a reminder of how unique uh, this book is. I want you to help me. Um, you'll have to speak up loud. I want you to raise a hand and then um, speak out the answer uh, so everybody can hear. Okay, this is an ungraded test. Um, your salvation is not in question if you can't answer these questions, but I bet a number of you could answer these questions. So talk about the uniqueness of God's word. First question, how many books in the Bible? Way back, there's a kid way back in the back. How many? Right on, 66. Good job. How many of those 66 books are in the Old Testament. 25? Do I hear something different than 25? Close. Who said 39? There we go. 39 books in the Old Testament. Now you can do your math. 66 books altogether, 39 in the Old Testament. How many in the New Testament? 27. How come the kids are beating the adults on this one? Come on, some of you have walked with Jesus and read this book a long time. Okay, um, how, many, how many languages are the scriptures written in? Now, I'm not talking about how many have they been translated into, because that's thousands. Um, in fact, let me take a little commercial. Um, most of you are aware of the Gideons. 
They hand out Bibles. The Gideons have developed an app for your phone that has thousands of translations in the scriptures um, that you could share with somebody if you happen to meet them. Now, if you walked up to my son-in-law, DDA, and said, uh, DDA, what's your language that you speak that you learned as a little kid? And he would say something like, Gamolchima. Um, I don't know Gamolchima. Most likely, nobody in this room knows Gamalchima. But if I had my app with me, I could open up that Gideon app. I could scroll down until I found Gamalchima. I could hit on that, and DDA would hear the scriptures in his own language. It's amazing. Thousands of translations. But we're not going to talk about translations. We're going to talk about how many languages was the scripture written in. Who's, give me one. Seven? Well, we'll lower the number. Uh, three. I saw, I saw three. I feel like I'm selling cattle. Um, so th- three back here. Um, someone give me what one of those three was. Aramaic. Aramaic. Okay, we have Aramaic. I hear Greek and I hear... What is it? Hebrew, they're pointing at each other, just in case they don't know. Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew. Aramaic is kind of the derivative of Hebrew. Uh, It was the language that was spoken in Babylon. Um, So some of the scriptures that were written during Babylonian captivity are in Aramaic. And some say that maybe Aramaic is what Jesus spoke amongst the disciples. How many authors, how many different writers in the 66 books? I don't see a hand. In the back. Close. Just subtract four. There are 40 writers of the scriptures, 40 different authors, the Bible tells us, moved by God, who wrote the scripture. I think that's amazing that we have this book that's written by 40 different guys, and it is consistent in its message. If I was to take you outside, and we were talking over here in the corner of uh, Frank and 15th, just, you know passing the time, and two cars tried to um, occupy the same place at the same time. We'd have an accident, and the police would show up, and they would come to you, and they would say, what happened? And you would give what you saw. And then they would come to me, and they would say, what happened? And I would give what I saw. And even though you and I stood side by side, there is a good chance that the stories would be different based upon our lives, what we saw, what we heard, if we were paying attention or not. But here we have 40 different authors moved by God, the scripture being God-breathed, as Paul tells Timothy. And they get it all right. That's amazing to me. What's the time span that the Bible was written during? Not what it covers, but what it's, what it's written in. Any ideas? Close. 16. What did you say? 16? 
15. We should have said 16. 1,600 years of writing, 40 different authors, three different um, languages, numerous genres like history and poetry and narrative and letters and instruction and um, prophecy, all these different ways, and yet we have one story that remains true, consistent. It's about God's plan for redemption through Jesus Christ. That's the story. From beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, that's the story. And so the scriptures hold uh, true and unified uh, to all that over the years. And then since Jesus died and the church began, we have over 2,000 years and the scripture remains true remains unified, continues to last. So we've been walking through the Psalms, and if you have your copy of the Scriptures, I invite you to turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Scriptures. It's 176 verses long. Every verse, except for seven or eight, deals specifically with the Word of God. Now, you will see on the screen here, um, the beginning of Psalm 19, uh, written in its language in Hebrew. Now, something very interesting about Psalm 119, it's written in 22 stanzas, each stanza occupying eight verses, and each of the eight verses beginning with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So the first eight verses are, start with Aleph, which we would say is our A. And if you go down those first eight, you come to Beth, second letter, letter, and you go down a couple, few verses down, and you call, come to Gimel, and we didn't put all 176 verses on there, but you get the idea of the amazing way that Psalm 119 was written. There are, the psalmist uses, this is, I'm going to, it really echoes. Help me out, Josh. Okay. Um, can you imagine if I gave you a task to write a psalm about God's word using every letter of the Old Testament and use eight lines starting with A, eight lines starting with B, eight lines starting with C, all the way to Z. And all you can talk about in every one of those lines is the Word of God. 
think it would be an easy task? I wonder how long the psalmist, who we don't know who it is, wrote, took to write um, Psalm 119. It might be a fun thing for you to do this afternoon is to go home and take out a piece of paper and try it. In fact, I would even shorten it down for you and um, say, just come up with five lines on the scriptures and dealing with the word of God for each one. You could use words like the psalmist used and Pastor Anthony used when he prayed today. He prayed out of, I'm going to take this off, okay? All right. Can you still hear me? Yeah? Okay. The ring is driving me crazy. Um, Can you imagine them taking all of this and putting it together? And it's like Psalm 119 the psalmist uses all sorts of words to um, speak about the testimony, the uh, word of God. Are we on? There we go. That better? Okay. You can use words like law, testimonies or ways, or precepts, or statutes, or commandments, or rules, or word, or promise, being synonyms for the word of God. The psalmist takes time and he says, I seek your word, meditate upon your word, I walk in your word, I declare your word, I delight in your word. I sing your word. Over and over again, he uses those various words to talk about the word of God. I don't know if there was ever a person in history, maybe, that loved the word of God more than this psalmist. Maybe Jesus. So... The psalm looks really long, is, but it only takes about 19 minutes to read through the whole psalm. You could go home this afternoon, and before you take your nap, you could um, read through the psalm. Uh, It is worth it. But what I want to do just in the next few moments is to look at some verses, just kind of walk through Psalm 119 to see the importance and the reason for us to be in God's word. As Jesus, as is recorded, Jesus saying in John 14 about abiding in him and letting his word abide in us. So we start with 119 verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to God's word. Helps us walk in purity. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. The word of God keeps us from sin. Verse 28 
My soul melts away from sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. It's where we can find strength in the midst of our sorrow, strength in the midst of the day. Even though our hearts melt away, our souls melt away, God's word strengthens us. Verse 46, I will also speak of your testimonies before kings. I shall not be put to shame as we find ourselves abiding in God's word and God's word abiding in us. We are able to speak before those people that are in authority over us. We speak to, God, we speak to kings and presidents and senators and mayors from the word of God. Not from our own premises and um, ideas, but from the word of God. We remember that when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, um, he didn't try to reason with Satan. He just spoke God's word. And that shut him up. Verse 49 and 50 Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort and my affliction that your promise gives me life. God's word brings us hope. It brings us comfort. Verse 66. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. It's the word of God that can give us good judgment and knowledge. Verses 89 and 90. Forever, Yahweh, your word is firmly established or fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. We can know God's faithfulness. We can know God who is able to keep things standing fast and not moving and it endures. In verse 98, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. It gives us wisdom as we study God's word. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. It moves us along safely. It shows us where to go and where not to go. Verse 133, keep steady my steps according to your promise. Let no iniquity get dominion over us. It helps us to stay strong in our walk with Jesus. It keeps us again from having, letting have sin have power over us, dominion over us. Verse 151, for you are near, Yahweh, and all your commandments are true. It's by studying God's word and hiding it in our hearts that we know the nearness of God. We feel his presence in our time and in his word. Verse 165. 
Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. As we study God's word and apply it to our hearts, we know God's peace. We can remain steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our work in the Lord is not in vain. And finally, Verse 171, my lips pour forth your praise, for you teach me your statutes. The study of God's word is a, is that which leads us to praise. We need to spend time in God's word. It's not only how we know God, but it's how we learn what we are to do. It's where we find security and comfort. God's word is there not just to read through quickly, but to dwell on and meditate on. So how do we spend time in God's word? How do we do that? Let me offer you a couple of ideas. First, um, make it a priority in your life. There may be some things that you need to get rid of. As I've been watching the news lately, and I don't know what your favorite news channel is, I'm not going to argue with which one is true and which one isn't. They all have bias. But I've found of all the bad news that I listen to on the news, maybe it'd be better just to leave the news off and read God's word instead. Probably a better use of my time. Now, whether I'll get to do that or not, we'll see how strong I am in those things. But we need to, uh, we need to take time. Make time. It won't just happen on its own. You can't just wait until you're retired and say, someday when I'm not working, I'll spend time in God's word. Well, that can be a long time. I've met a number of farmers here in the Huron area, and a number of ones that are quite my senior that refuse to stop working. They're going to plant that corn and ride that tractor and move those cows and they're just going to keep doing it until they, there's no breath in them. So if you're waiting till you retire, you're just not going to get the time. So you have to make time. You have to take time to quiet your heart. If you run in and say, this is my 15 minutes, let's get started, and you start just reading in there and haven't quieted your heart, I dare to say you're going to be deaf to the Spirit's word for you, message for you. Quiet your heart. Take time to breathe. It's hard for us to be quiet. There are times when 
I have led the church in prayer. And I said, we're just going to take two minutes of quietness before we pray. And it's amazing to me how interminable that two minutes is. People are actually looking at their watch. It's got to be at least 10 minutes. Pastor, please say something. Break the silence. No, quiet your heart. Third, believe that God has and he wants to continue to speak to you. He loves you. He wants you to hear his voice. It's not just in uh, act in, in study, in academics to read God's word, but it's that living word, as the scripture tells us, that is able to get into our hearts and make changes. God wants to speak to you. He wants to. He wants you to hear. Another little technical thing. Try to read God's word in context. If all we're doing is picking out a verse here and a verse there, we miss what God really has for us. Read it in context. Read it in a larger section. And then a little... Practical thing that I learned as a junior in high school, way back when. And we called it PROAPT, P R O A P T, PROAPT. The P stands for pray. Always start your time in God's Word in prayer. The R stands for read. Just Read your section through. Don't stop to think about it too much. Just read it. See what's there, but just read through it. And then, oh, go back and observe what is there. Look for uh, the people that are there. Look for the time that it's in. Look through the things that are said, the events that are surrounding it. Observe God's word. Don't just read it at its surface level, get down deep into it, pray, read, observe, and then the A is to apply it to our lives. God's word doesn't really affect us so we don't do something with it. It may cause us to uh, go to confession for sin, it may cause us to lift our voices in praise but see how you can apply God's word to your life. Application. So pray, read, observe, apply, and then pray again, thanking God for his word, his voice to you. And then finally, tell. Tell somebody, your kids, your spouse, your pastor. I think I've said it before how wonderful it is. And a couple of people have done this. They've called me on the phone or stopped by in the office and said, I was in God's word this morning and this is what I learned about God. 
Or this is the direction that he's given me. Or this is even a sin that I needed to confess. God's word is living and active in my life. And I needed to tell somebody. So pray, read, observe, apply, pray again, and then go tell somebody. Not hard, but it takes a little bit of time. And I'm the kind of the guy that needs this. I need some direction. So God's word is not like any other book. God's word is, in fact, not just God's word in a written form, but it is the word of God. Spirit breathed. We hear the word of God. Ever struck me just the not too long ago as I was reading through the Gospels, reading the things that Jesus said, that when Jesus spoke, it was the Word of God. I'd just like to be one of those disciples. Maybe they, I'm sure they didn't get it till later. But that when Jesus spoke, it was the word of God. They were hearing firsthand the word of God. It's quite amazing. I would love to have that opportunity to be in that place, but I can't, so I'm thankful that I have this the recorded word of God for me, still able to change lives. So here's my pastoral encouragement for you. Be people of the book. Get your nose in it. Read it. Apply it. It's not just for children. And it's just not for the old. It's wrong. Let's pray. hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, .org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.